Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Mari, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the Wine and Cheese Smith podcast. Gracias. <laughs> it's always fun to do a podcast with wine. So I mean, I'm glad I'm here. Yes. The name says it for itself, right? You're like, how can you come on to the Wine and Cheese Smith podcast? And <laughs> of course. I was like, you yes. You can partake because obviously I don't force anybody, but it's always funner with wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw wine in the subject line. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, you didn't even read the rest of the email. You're <laughs> like, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm super excited because everything that we're going to talk about today is really important, but also we're going to make it fun because you make it fun off TikTok as much as you can. I saw you months and months ago on TikTok. Actually, I think the first TikTok I saw of yours, I'm a weirdo that I remember these things. So people probably think like I'm a total creeper. No, no, I have no, a no. really great memory. No, not at all. <laughs> and I think you were actually in Cuba and you were showing different things and we'll get into that. But I think, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And then you were, I think you were leaving. It was just a collage of the things you were doing and you were on the plane crying when you're coming back to the States. Uh, I, yeah. I remember yeah. yeah, I think that was the very first TikTok that I saw of yours. And it just made an impression on me that I was like, follow, I need to oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then all of this stuff with Cuba, which we're going to get into and, and yeah. everything. And and on Clubhouse, we, we were in a lot of the same rooms. And when you were on there, I was like, oh my gosh, I follow your content. Yes, I remember. <laughs> I was like, Wow. <laughs> You're probably like, who, who is this person? But it's me. <laughs> and then with everything happening, I really wanted to talk to somebody because I have seen all of the things that you've had to dispel on your TikTok. I've heard things like through Clubhouse and through other things. I am the type of person I would not dare to say this is what's going on because I have no idea. I would rather get educated on it, talk to people. And I think it's such an important thing. And I feel like it's kind of, you know, it had a moment where everybody's like, SOS Cuba, SOS Cuba. Uh -huh. And then it's kind of fallen off. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that things have changed. And that doesn't mean that things are less important. So that's why I wanted to make sure that I had you on it so we could talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, just thank you for amplifying our voices and even being interested in this topic. So thank you. 
Oh my gosh, girl, this is like, I'm getting goosebumps just because I want to know. I mean, that's like, I'm like the ultimate chismosa in the good way, right? Because I'm like, tell me everything. I want to know everything. (laughs) I don't know everything. And I think that's so important that so that we're always open to learning because so many people aren't. But before we get into the chisme, okay, (laughs) it's time to get into the wine. Yes. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking a red wine that was open in my refrigerator. I (laughs) I didn't even look what it was, but it's okay. Actually, I don't really like it, but I'll drink it because I'm like that. I'll drink anything, even if it's It'll probably get better as you drink it. As it it gets more to room temperature, it'll probably get better. Exactly. You're like in Central California, right? No, I'm in uh, Arizona right now. I'm oh, you're Phoenix. in Arizona. Girl, it's hot over there. It's hot Ugh. here in San Diego. I mean, it's in the 80s. So for San Diego, that's hot. Yeah, that is hot. That's warm. <laughs> that's very warm over there. Yes. Well, I am I went to Trader Joe's today to do some grocery shopping. So then I picked this up because I wanted to try it. I love trying. I love my Latino winemakers and everything, but I I also like to try other wines. This is not a Latino winemaker. This is actually a French wine. It's called Coudron Blanc 2020, and it's by Famille Perrin Reserve. Oh, fancy. Yeah, I, I know I completely butchered it. So if you speak French, please do not <laughs> you gotta come some, after me. <laughs> you got to put some phlegm in there. It's like, ho, 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 yeah. ho. It's, it's the Coudron. That's yeah, how, like, exactly. That's, <laughs> and apparently 2020 was a very good year in Southern Rome. So as you can see, it's like a pretty pale color. It has a little bit of green in it. Oh. It smells good? Yeah, it smells, it's very citrusy. But it also smells like the lemongrass, you know, the like oh, lemongrass. Yeah. yeah. Um, like herby. Yeah, herbal. very herby. And it smells like apricots. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what it smells like. What kind mm-hmm. of wine is it again? A Chardonnay? It's called or? A, no, well, it's a mix. So the Coudron oh, is a mix. So the oh. Rhone is the area of France. Okay. Of France that it came from. The Coudron is the name because it's from the area and it's a mix of a few different ones. I'll have to look it up again and tell you. Okay. But salud. 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 Okay, let's see how it tastes now. Yeah, I think I took it out a little bit more. It would probably be better, a little bit cooler, but it's as good. And now you would probably be really good with like seafood, like some fish or something. Yeah, or like pasta. Yeah. A light pasta. A light pasta, yes. Yeah. You know what I've been obsessed with lately is butter what? pasta. Me too. Have you? Yes. I, I just why. made it yesterday. I just made it the, like a couple of days ago too. I don't know really? why. Because it's light and fresh and and super easy. Like yeah, super easy to make. Yeah. Super you don't duper really, easy. Yeah. You don't need anything. All right. You ready to get into the cheese making? Yeah, right, vamos chimian. Vamos chimian. <laughs> There is so much going on in Cuba and so many of us know general history, history that we were taught, which is very different than actual history. Anybody that is curious of history at all knows that you just know that what you're being taught is not everything. History is taught by the victors, not by the people who have been beaten down. Right, exactly. So what we're taught about Cuba and please Forgive my naiveness on this subject because I don't really know much about Cuba. 
I know about the Kennedy years. I know about the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, that's what most that's what most people in the United States know. Just like the the Cold War stuff, right? Yeah, and the Cold War stuff. I know part stuff. I know um, the embargo. I know that things were lifted travel wise. I don't know how much stuff. I didn't pay too much attention. I'm not going to lie. During yeah. the Obama years, uh-huh. then the Orange Man came in and like re implemented those, and that's kind of all I know. Yeah the rulers and and the dictatorships and stuff like that. But then that's kind of it. That's a lot more than many other people. So I applaud you. (laughs) (laughs) To be perfectly honest, I didn't post a lot about it because I didn't know. Of course. Who was telling the truth. It was kind of like a battle between ideologies at some time, right? And so people got really confused. You weren't the first person. I had many people tell me, you know, I don't know what's the truth. What's What's going on? Because one person says one thing, another person says the other thing. It's confusing to say the least. But I don't blame a lot of people for not knowing anything about Cuba because it's such a small island, you know? And, but um, you can blame people for being ignorant and being assholes like I've seen in regards yeah. to that. I, you know what I mean? Like not knowing is one thing, but just like I've seen your TikTok. Your TikTok is very heavy in regards to things that have that are going down in Cuba and what has been, what is, and then replying to people who really don't have any idea. So my thing was, I wanted to talk to somebody who's lived there. Mm-hmm. I know your husband just like literally within months has just moved from the island yeah. to here. So I'm like, well, I would rather get it from somebody who's actually there yeah. hearsay. So <laughs> yeah, what exactly is going on in Cuba right now? Well, to start, we have 62 years of one government, which we call a dictatorship, ruled first by Fidel Castro, which I'm sure you've heard of, right, Fidel? (laughs) And uh, it's been continues since he's passed in 2016. So we've had only one government, which means one party ruling for 62 years. And within that time frame, lots of things have happened, uh, many rights basic human rights that we are accustomed to here in the United States have been stripped from Cubans throughout the years. And it's no secret. And it's just, it's not, you know, it's not an opinion. It's fact that in Cuba, we don't have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of press, and just overall freedom of creating a different party and criticizing your own government. That does not exist in Cuba and it's not allowed in Cuba. What has happened, what we see has happened, has been all like accumulation of many different things for many different years, and then kind of like expanded during the pandemic, right? So not only do you have a society that is being oppressed by its government, but you also have an economy that is super stagnant and collapsing in a way. And so those things to combine have been happening for many, many years. And the pandemic kind of just sped it up and made it even worse. And so in the last month, uh, we've seen a historic amount of people go out on the street demanding for their freedom. What would be normal in the United States is actually extraordinary in a place like Cuba where people don't have the right to do that. Because you see, can get arrested and yes. you can be killed and you can like all of yes. these things, right? You, you are arrested. In fact, there's there's 800 people still arrested and many of those are minors who are still arrested and being and disappear. They don't know where they are because they went out. Is this correct? Because I was seeing video of kids being pulled out of their homes yes. yeah. to be forcefully put into the military. Is that mm-hmm. is that happening? Yeah, it was a mixture of kids, young people, because, you know, 
in the video, you're not sure if they're minors or not, but young people at least being forced out of their homes to go into military service, which is mandatory in Cuba for two years for men, for young boys, I should say. And it was also a combination of them seeing people on the street and taking them in the middle of the night to jail. So both of those things happened. Wow. How are you right now? Because obviously we were seeing videos of protesting and everything. How are people getting that information out? And again, like I said, I know nothing. So I'm just asking yeah. the questions because if I have these questions, I'm sure other people have these questions. Isn't the internet and all of those things very limited? So how are people able to get that information out to be able to bl be blasted across the world? So, so the internet is, is not limited anymore. They only, uh, right after the protest, which, is, which was on July 11th, they cut the internet for like three or four days. So nobody could communicate. And right after the protest, they, and they historically have done this with smaller protests in the past where they just cut the internet completely. But now uh, there is internet. And so people are able to send things, even though it's slow. But I have to say, and uh, they do block a lot of different websites. Right now they have blocked Twitter because Twitter in Cuba has been a way for many dissidents and people in the movement. How to organize. To organize. Yeah, because Twitter is super low data and internet is super expensive in Cuba. So people have gone to Twitter instead of Facebook or, or ones that use more data. And so they blocked Twitter. They blocked Telegram, which is a, uh, an app to send messages. And so people have to use VPNs to access all of those apps. So, yeah, I mean, even though there's a workaround, it's still pretty hard to access everything, right? But there is internet. Yeah. Are they able now. to use WhatsApp? Yes. Yeah. WhatsApp is okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but Telegram not because it's uh, encrypted and you, their government can't read the... Oh, I yeah. got you. Now, during these protests and everything kind of leading up to it, a lot of people, and I know you were addressing it a lot in your TikTok, we're talking about the embargo mm -hmm. and talking about kind of this is a two-parter and I'm just thinking of all these things and this is all swirling in my head, right? Yeah, yeah. I was one watching a video of your husband talking about how they're indoctrinated, how you're indoctrinated since you're a kid, yeah. blaming everything on the U.S. You don't have anything, it's because of the U.S. This and that from the U.S. But then, and then I saw something else that you posted saying, well, look at all of these other countries that Cuba trades with. It's not just the U.S., what does the embargo actually truly affect when it comes to Cuba? From what I understand, medical and food is not supposed to be part of the embargo, mm -hmm. but I don't know what is and what isn't. Can you clarify that? Yeah, I think people were very quick to blame the embargo because it does certainly have an effect on, on, on Cuba economically. I'm not one to be extreme where, you know, it doesn't, you know, either it doesn't affect it or it's the whole, the, the entire economy is blamed on the, the, the embargo. No, there's a gray area, right? And so, of course, the embargo affects Cuba, but not in a way where I feel is to put the majority of the blame, right? So what the embargo does is limit trade between the United States and Cuba. And of course, the United States is the, the biggest economic powerhouse in the world, right? And, and the any, closest, the and closest, the closest thing to Cuba. So it would obviously right, right. just logistic wise make sense. Right. And so it, it blocks the uh, Cuba from participating in financial institutions that use the dollar. So that's the biggest effect that it has. So of course, of course, that makes an impact. 
However, the embargo, it has a limitations, right? Doesn't mean you, they can't trade food because Cuba buys $600 million of food every year from the United States. It doesn't affect medicine and it doesn't affect humanitarian, a humanitarian corridor. So you have those exceptions to the embargo. And then you also have, if you, if you lived in Cuba, right, and you start understanding the Cuban economy, you understand that, wait, there's ways that the Cuban government gets around this and they do it very efficiently. They go through third-party vendors or they make subsidiaries that trade with different partners that trade with the United States. So there's always a back channel that's going on. And I, and, uh, I made a TikTok about this. Samsung, for example, is in Cuba. Even though Samsung is a Korean company, there is a Helms-Burton Act, which was a part of the embargo that strengthens the embargo, which any foreign company that trades with the, the United States cannot trade with Cuba or is disincentivized, right? They get fines and stuff. And there's a way for Korean Samsung to go through a subsidiary to get Samsung in Cuba. So you're you're left with like, what embargo? What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> And so, and then the other part of this as well is that I think a lot of people, because they don't understand Cuba, and and this is where I make these TikToks, right? Battling with people that don't know because they've never lived inside, is that they don't understand the internal economic policies that the Cuban government makes that have nothing to do with the embargo. So things like, you know, a person can't just create their own business that's not allowed in Cuba. Or a, a farmer has to sell all of its products to the state that has nothing to do with Cuba. And of course, that affects the food supplies in Cuba and the distribution and all of that. You know, so the economy is not just one thing. It's not just the U.S. It's a whole huge web. And so I try to explain that at least. Yeah, I know. And then people want to battle. And I'm just like, why do you want to? To me, I don't get it. I don't right. comment a lot on people's TikToks because. I get in my head and I start and I'm, I'm watching certain things and I'm like, what did it do? Like, yeah, and I'm like, you know, and I'm not even going to reply because people are like mental. It's like, it's only like ridiculous. Yeah. And then you have like, say. and then you have just another layer on top of all that, that I just said is that the United States has nothing to do with why the government is jailing people or why the government only allows one political party. You know what I mean? So it has nothing to do. The United States doesn't implement that. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about social and human rights in Cuba, basic human rights in Cuba. The economy is a separate issue. So it's like comparing apples to oranges for us. Was there a change at all when a lot of these things were lifted, tourism was lifted and everything during the Obama administration? What was that effect? And then versus when, I don't call him by his name because I don't believe he even deserves to be acknowledged in that way. Uh-huh. versus the orange guy that the, <laughs> that came after. So when Obama lifted, what he did essentially, the biggest thing that he did was two things. One, uh, open up the embassy in Cuba. So there was diplomatic easing. And then two, he made another visa category for Americans to travel to Cuba that was much easier. That was pretty much it. There was a, smaller things, but those are pretty much the two major things. And so when that happened, there was a huge boom in Cuba. I mean, huge from tourism. Um, if you remember a few years ago, people were, that was like the hot spot to go to yeah. Cuba, right? Yeah, I had friends that went and I was like, oh, I can't. And then- um, Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then Trump reversed it. But um, we were living in Cuba at the time during that. And and I, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was 
it was amazing. It, I felt there, everyone like had this new hope and new spirit, like all oh, the Americans, maybe they're going to change and then we're going to change, you know, it was amazing because the tourism helped the local economy, at least in Havana. Um, there was a lot more money. There was a lot more products. There was a lot more things, but there was still, you know, scarcity. And a lot of that didn't trickle to the rural areas. It was just mainly in Havana. And then when Trump came, all he did was really take away the that one visa category. And then he put more restrictions on government officials. And so because of that, even though it wasn't that major, actually, if you really look at the law, he didn't really do much, but the marketing, I guess, was like, oh, Americans can't go anymore, which is not true. Americans still can go to Cuba, even up to this day. But, but most people are like, oh, American can't go anymore. And so because of that, it like tanks the tourism industry. I had no idea that we could, that Americans could still go to Cuba. Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was like easy. completely like revoked. No, it's super easy. It's busy, oh but that's the propaganda. It's like it made you think that you couldn't go anymore. Yeah. But if you look at the law, yeah, you can. It's, it's very easy to go to Cuba. <laughs> so let's talk about the scarcity that you were just mentioning, because I know in several of your videos, you're talking, I mean, people are lined up for mm-hmm. blocks and blocks to get into a grocery store. And when you get yeah. in the grocery store, there is virtually nothing on the shelves. Yeah. What is the cause or what do you feel like the cause of that is? And then you were also talking about because certain things you have to be able to purchase with a dollar, but people in Cuba are not are paid with a Cuban peso. Uh And so they can't use their money to even purchase anything because you have to actually use U.S. dollars. Is yes. That, am I remembering things correctly? Yes. Yes. I told good. you I watch your TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> you did some research, girl. <laughs> yeah, and when I was there, at least I left in 2020 before the pandemic, right? Right before the pandemic, and um, it was hard. I'm not gonna lie, it was hard. And so I can't speak for after the pandemic because it got exponentially worse, which I can't even imagine. You know, if you talk to my husband, he's just like, yeah, I ate one time a day, once a day. And when I first saw him, we had been separated for one year because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. When I saw him after that year, he was, I've never seen him so skinny in my life, never. And so when I was there, at least the scarcity is like, remember during the pandemic, everyone was freaking out with the toilet paper. Yes. Okay. And like, I thought, oh, I just to got toilet paper. I'm fine. And then when I needed it, I was like, okay, I thought I was fine. <laughs> so I'm going literally to the corner liquor store, buying stuff, like buying like what? And they're only like, you can only get one, two packs at a time. That's fine. It's just me. Yeah. But then you don't realize how much as a girl, especially. I know. I don't realize how much <laughs> I know, right? You got to get the Costco supersized packs. Yeah. But that's, but that's how Cuba is permanently. Just like that. Just like, I was like, oh my gosh, Americans are finally experiencing what we had to go through for so many years. But it was like something of our own making. And that's the thing. Like these people in Cuba, it's not something of their own making. It's the government's making. And here- the toilet paper shortage is the something of our own making. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like, remember, I remember going to Walmart and the shelves were empty for every oh, product. Yeah. Yes. Remember like beans? People were buying beans for some reason. Yes. And I was so mad because I'm like, I'm Mexican. I make beans a lot. <laughs> 
And I'm like, really? Like, you don't <laughs> even know how to make beans. You probably don't even know what you're doing. Why are you taking them? <laughs> I know, right? All these white people are like, what are you doing with beans? Okay, anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was exactly, that's exactly it for every product, girl. Like every product, if you can, if you can think about it. And then during the midst of the pandemic, before you could go in, uh, excuse me, you bought in, uh, we had convertible pesos, which you could use your, you can use your pesos and convert them to the convertible pesos and you can go in and shop. But during the middle of the pandemic, they switched that where it's only US dollars. And the only way to get US dollars is if you have family or somebody willing on the outside to put money in your account, right? So for us, that was a, that was a huge disrespect from the government because a lot of people don't have family, and so yeah. they, it creates this like economic apartheid between who has family on the outside and who doesn't. And those people can go to the grocery stores that have a little bit more, not that much more, but they have a little bit more. And the people who are just paid in Cuban pesos have to go to the bodega. That's what it's called. And, uh, you know, they have limited choices. Wow. And is food rationed or meat rationed in yes. order to you can purchase as well? Not in the, they're called MLC stores, not in the MLC stores where they're dollars, but in the bodega, yeah, they are. God, I mean, I remember seeing that TikTok and there was nothing. No, there's nothing. There was no chicken. There was no, and I think they things, but I do remember you saying something about the hotels don't have this problem because that's where the tourists are. And Mm -hmm. anywhere the tourists are, they don't have any of these problems. Yeah, you can see right now, if you go on Baradero, which is the most, popular beach resort if you go right now you'll see tourists russian tourists mostly eating lobster and in cuba you can't eat lobster the normal cuban person can't you can't fish for lobster so they don't even sell it at the store it's illegal to fish lobster so but they have lobster cuba is obviously an island are people able to fish for their own food and forage for their own food you can't even do that no motherfucker yeah well they just (laughs) You can't mass fish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you can't sell it either. It does happen, of course, because people need to survive. Yeah. So it happens. But legally, you're not allowed to fish and sell the fish. So that's where lobster, lobster is completely owned by the government. And same thing with beef. All cows are owned by the state. There's a birth and death certificate with the cow. No. Mm -hmm. Dude. If you kill a cow, you go to jail for like 15 to 20 years. And if you kill a person, you go for less. No. Yes. Te lo juro. Te lo juro. If you, you guys, Cubans, my mouth literally dropped. Marie can confirm. My I'm mouth literally you, All the Cubans who might see this, they can tell you. I'm telling the truth. There's like a saying in Cuba, it's worse to kill a cow than a person. Oh my gosh. I legit cannot even imagine that. That is insane. Uh-huh, girl. I'm telling you. And then you got these little tanky communists on TikTok blaming the embargo that has nothing to do with the embargo yes okay well speaking of you're constantly getting quote-unquote educated by these people who have never been to cuba probably don't have any family or friends in cuba no who have just read or regurgitating what they've either read or seen on fox or any other main place that's just not knowing what's actually happening How does that make you feel? Because you're constantly like replying and sometimes 
I can see that you're really angry and frustrated. And sometimes you're just like, didn't even say anything. Or I think there's many, you don't say anything. You just type it in. <laughs> so like I was, ta- I was telling you before, the Google. Yeah, the I Googled some stuff because I was like, well, where can I find the information? And I Googled it and I went to like BBC. I went to like places that were like legitimate outlets mm-hmm. sharing some information. And I'm like, dude, it's not that hard to Google something and get correct information. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know where they get these. It's always like the 17 year old white, white kid from middle America that is a middle class lives with their parents. It's always the same type of like demographic. And they tell us, they have the audacity to tell us that our shared experiences, our lived experiences should not be taken into account because that doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean that it's historically correct. You know, let me tell you, my (laughs) nephews are very, they're very white passing, really light complected, really light hair, colored eyes, like they're very, and they don't even have a Spanish surname or Mexican surname. They don't have a Latin surname. Uh-huh. And so if they were to try and tell me something like my last name is Yanyes. Yeah. <laughs> and if they were trying to tell me something and I know even as a light skinned Latina, I know what kind of there is a privilege that comes with that. Uh-huh. I also know the other side of my full last name, which is not just Yanyes, but my full last name uh-huh. that people, if they see my name before they see me, they already have a particular impression. So if my nephews just bait just that, not even talking about the Cuban stuff, because I can imagine how irritating that is. If my nephews came to me, my 17 year old nephew came to me and said, well, Thea J, blah, blah. I'd be like, yeah, exactly. Okay, you better walk away because you're going to end up with a bola on, on your head. But, because- <laughs> but that's what it is. But that's what it is, because then. You know, if I was to tell them, because I actually got into this conversation, I did a whole, we did an Instagram live with a communist versus me on this issue. Really? Oh my gosh, I missed it. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it was, it was, he was a young kid. I felt bad for him, but whatever. You know, I turned it back to him. I was like, how would you like it if white people during the Black Lives Matter movement was to say, oh, well, mm, Black people, that was your experience, but that's not historically accurate. That would piss you off right? Yeah. Or that would make you mad. It's the same thing, especially when we saw millions of Cubans all over the world, not just in Miami, all over the world protest for the same thing, right? Black, white, young, old, Republican, Democrat, communist, whatever. Everyone came together and was like, this has to stop. The dictatorship has to stop. And so then you get this white kid from middle America who's like defending the revolution because he's like an ideologue. And, you know, telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, what? You know? Oh my gosh. What was the chant? Because I remember that what they were chanting and I, or I can't remember what exactly a lot of the marches were chanting, but I do remember, I was like, they're not chanting down with America. They're not chanting in no. the embargo. They were chanting for their freedom. Libertad, and I can't remember. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Which is, Patria y Vida comes from uh, it means you know what it means but for the for the for the viewers it's homeland and life right country and life it's a like a playoff of what the cuban government says which is patria o muerte right which is the communist slang which is country or death there was very famous cuban singers yotuel and gente de zona and a, a few other dissidents that got onto a uh 
of song and made this song called Padre y Vida. So it's like turning it around. Mm. And it became the slogan for the entire, even in Cubans on the island, but Cubans all over the world, it became the slogan. And it became so popular, in fact, that you are no longer allowed to even say the word in Cuba or you go to jail. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, that... they made that a law right after the protests. Yeah. I mean, look, we have a lot to celebrate with our lives here in the United States and we have a lot to complain about, right? But we get the opportunity to complain and we get the right opportunity to assemble and share and criticize. Yes. And I think so many of us take that for granted. Absolutely. Uh, And we have such a, and I see this all the time. And I always say, I want to be a citizen of the world. I don't want to just be a citizen of the United States. And to me, that means like so many of us who are, you know, U.S. citizens and or came here younger, whatever, we take this freedom and everything for granted. And we always look at it as a view from what our country does. Right. And there's so much more to this world. And I think it's so important that that's why I want to have this conversation with you, because, again, I had no like all of these things. I'm just like, what, what? Because it's important to me, at least, and I hope to many people that listen to this, that you want to be a citizen of this world because there's so much more to this world than the United States. And of course, if you come out looking from just our point of view here in the United States, which there are many points of views, but if you just come from it, looking at it as a like the things that we do in this country. That's why people hate us. Well, well, (laughs) I have my own viewpoints on that. (laughs) No, but, but I'm really, really, really grateful that you asked me to come on your show because especially as Latinos, Cuba, and I don't think many, especially U.S. Latinos don't realize how important Cuba is in Latin America and how influential it is in Latin America. Cuba is has penetrated Venezuela. I mean, mm-hmm. and many Venezuelans say that Venezuela is a colony of Cuba without it actually being a colony. But and Nicaragua and Bolivia and many movements in Latin America, uh, Cuba has infiltrated. And Which is why many of those same countries, when they've immigrated to the United States, were supporters of the Orange Man. Yes. Well, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, of course, because they have a trauma from the left. And so they want someone who at least on paper says he's right, right? Mm -hmm. Or whoever, he or she is right. But really, I think the most important thing that I could say is that Cuba is so important to Latin America. And um, it is really like, like La Cabeza, the leftist movement that we see all over Latin America that has plagued Latin America for, well, not centuries, but decades now. Mm -hmm. One of the videos that you were talking about, and I really wanted to like get more information on this, was talking about how people are like, but doctors from Cuba are all over the world and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So I, yeah. So I actually, this actual article I read, and it's from May 4th of 2019 from BBC. Let me just kind of throw some things out. And then I want to get your like your take on it, because I know you can add to this. Okay. Um, and this is, according to a report by the opposition link Cuban prisoners defenders, this is direct testimony from 46 doctors with experience of overseas and medical missions, plus public, public source information from statements by 64 other medics. So 
like they literally went to a lot of places to get this information, a lot of people. So you can look it up yourself. I did a quick Google search and I was able to find it. So it said 89% of these medics had no prior knowledge of where they were going to be posted within a particular country. And this article was focused on a woman who was sent to Venezuela. Mm -hmm. So you said that and was constantly held at gunpoint from teenage gang members. Wow. And she could not go back. They took her passport. Yep. Because she can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 41% said their passport was removed from them by a Cuban official on arrival in the host country. Mm-hmm. Uh, 91% said they were watched over by Cuban security officials while on their mission. And the same percentage reported being asked to pass on information about colleagues to security officials. Yep. And 57% did not volunteer to join a mission, but felt obliged to do so. While 39% felt they said they felt strongly pressured to serve abroad. And then when the, the, the young lady that it was focused on. So when she got back to Cuba, she didn't want to do it anymore. Like it would, they made it even so much harder for her. Really? Wow. Because she said something and then everything, like they were watching her family there. So she was like, I'm not doing this anymore. But you have another take in regards to the financial thing. Like they're basically pimping out their doctors is what. Absolutely they are. Yeah. Can you give a little bit more information on that? It's, it's modern day human trafficking. Um, it's modern day slavery where they pay you, right? They pay you, but they pay you such low wages. She said right? $125 a month. Which is more than she would get in Cuba. So so this is what they do. This is what the Cuban government does. They say, they entice you to go serve abroad because um, you're going to get paid a little bit more than you would get paid in, in Cuba, no? From what I know, because I was never a doctor in Cuba. So so this is just what from my friends and my family who have been doctors on mission. So they tell you, okay, we're going to pay you $125. In Cuba, you're like, oh, well, then that's like more, that's double than what I make because they make $60, right? And so you're like, oh, okay. But then they don't take into consideration that Venezuela costs more to live, right, than Cuba. Um, because you have to pay for whatever you need to pay for and blah, 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 blah. So they get paid a hundred and let's just say, for example, in Venezuela, you get $125. But what she doesn't tell you, or maybe the article does go into, is that some of that money, a percentage of that money is held by the Cuban government for when you get back. So to, to not have people defect, they hold some of the money that they, that they um, pay to the doctors, Right. But even on top of that, the Cuban government, what they do is they they say, hey, this is like an export business. Human labor from Cuba is an export business. Like, let's put it in the American frame, right? What if we were to ship college kids to China to work, right? Girl. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, right? So- they ship these doctors to work. They charge Venezuela, for example, I don't know how much they charge, but they charge Venezuela, let's say a thousand dollars a month for that doctor. They don't give the doctors a thousand dollars a month. Right. Yeah. And then they pay in Cuban pesos, which is even less of the value than a hard currency. But yeah, it's a crazy system. It feeds not only into their export business, it gives them cash flow to the government. Right. But it, also expands their propaganda like that oh we don't send bombs to countries we send doctors and yeah. how and how humanitarian are we that we we cure lives all over the world mentira 
There so was- listen to this is um, BBC had got, made a request to oh, yeah? response from the Cuban government. They didn't reply, but after it says after the Cuban prisoners def- defenders report was published, Cuban President Miguel Diaz Canal tweeted, and I quote, once again, the empire's lies are trying to discredit Cuba's health cooperation programs with other countries, laboring them as modern day slavery and human trafficking practices. They are upset about Cuba's solidarity and example. So what, exactly what you were saying. Mentira, that's they, he's they, a liar. Yeah. Is what they're liar. like, we're not human traffickers, but, but I didn't what, see what do you yet. call that? I mean, maybe it's not human trafficking because you're not like, you know, kidnapping them, but come on, it's but human. they're lying to them too, but, because that's exactly what it was saying in here. It was saying like they're they're not telling this straight. There's this one, um, Julia, and she said she was on a five-year mission in Venezuela. She's stationed in the Boulevard State. She said, I was unfortunate that in the mission that the mission co- coordinator took a shine to me and I didn't agree to his repulsive insinuations. He had sent me away to a series of out of the way locations in rural areas. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, sure that does not surprise me. Yeah. There's two doctors that got kidnapped in, in the middle. I thought, what country was it? Cause some country in Africa and they're still to this day disappeared. They don't know where they are. I don't know if they don't tell people where they're going to go, but mm-hmm. who would sign up to go to a, a war-torn country? You know what I mean? Yeah, because they they say, like what she was saying is, they start or they frame it as, oh, you'll get experience. Oh, uh-huh. you'll be in a beautiful hospital. You'll be blah, blah, blah. I'm and sure then she do. was like, I was in a room with a clear roof that we didn't know was going to fall down any minute. Exactly. exactly. They, and then they entice you saying that you're going to get paid XYZ, which is a little bit better than you would get paid in Cuba. But the doctors do defect. Let me tell you, if the doctors do defect and they cross, because many have, many have, and I know personally many friends who have that are doctors, and they can't go back to Cuba for eight years. They're barred entry to Cuba to see their families for eight years. How freely are people outside of that? How freely are people able to leave and travel between Cuba and other places? Oh, you mean Cubans in Cuba to other yes. places? Yes. Oh, it's very rare. It's just people who have money, really. Just like every other third world country. Yeah. If you have money, then you can travel. If you don't have money, then they don't grant you visas to go anywhere. Oh, my gosh. So is your your husband is now here because I know you put yeah. the whole thing. Yes, he's and- here. Thank God. <laughs> so let me just say, first of all, the videos that you post, especially when he first got here and taking him to all of these places are so cute. His reactions oh, <laughs> are so pure. Yeah. His reactions to yeah. like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this. And oh my gosh, they're just gold. Seriously, yeah. they're beautiful. I love Thank them. Thank you. Thank you. You know, people think that we're lying. There's some people. What do they yeah. think you're lying about? They think that, that he's acting, that, that it's just propaganda. And I'm like, oh my, no, I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not. Was it know? really hard for him to be able to get whatever he needed to get to come here? No, I mean, I pretty much did everything. We did the K-1 visa, like, you know, 90 Day Fiance on TLC. Yeah. Have you seen that show? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but well, my, my Tia Rosa, like before she passed away, that was like all she was watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, she would have loved me. It would, it's like, I'm the modern day. I mean, like I'm the, in the real life, 90 day fiance. <laughs> but yeah, he got here on the fiance visa. 
but yeah, it was really hard for him. Like when, I don't know if you saw the video of him, that was the most viral of him going into Walmart. Yes. There was a lot of parts that I did not put in that TikTok or in that YouTube because he didn't want me to film him crying. He was very emotional about it. How, yeah. how is he adjusting to life in the U.S.? He's he's really good. I mean, he's he's learned a lot of English. I see you getting emotional. Looks like you're a little glossy eyed. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so because it makes me sad that people think that it's a lie, you know. Because I've had so many Cubans in the comments say, "Oh my gosh, that was just like me," or "That was just like my tío," or "My abuela," or whoever it was. And I guess I'm just the first person that documented it and put it on social media, right? Mm-hmm. This coming from a socialist country where they had nothing to overabundance here in the United States where you can, you know, you can go out 24-7, get whatever you need, right? Yeah. It just makes me sad that people thought that was a lie because I really wish it was a lie. I wish it wasn't the reality that he had to go through, but it is. And so, again, it's that people don't, see it from other eyes or they're just seeing it from their own experiences and can't believe that somewhere else is not where you can just kind of get up at any time and do whatever you want. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the reality in so many places across the world Mm -hmm. and people don't get it. A lot of other places around the world too. And that's what's frustrating. Like I said, it was frustrating about Cuba. Even if you have the money in your pocket, you still can't find it. So um, yeah, I saw that what in the Samsung thing that you were, was it ten thousand dollars for a oh, television? For, girl, don't even get me started. Oh. Yeah, I actually I recorded that in two thousand eighteen, right? I put it online on my Instagram. People were went crazy over it, right? I just re released it because everyone's blaming the embargo. But I put it when I originally put it, people went nuts. It went kind of like mini viral, and I swear to you, the following couple of weeks when we went back to the market, they took all the prices away. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, they must have seen it because come on, that's ridiculous. That's una falta de respeto. Yeah. Una falta I saw respeto. that and I was like, this interview is like the most, my mouth is just like dropped. I, like, <laughs> like ever. I'm like, I know, what? shock, shock. <laughs> I mean, but again, if you don't ask the questions and if you're not curious to know, then you're never going to know and you're just going to live in your own little world. And I guess that's good for some people. That's just not how I, I want to, like I said, I want to be a true citizen of the world and travel. But also, even if there's places that I haven't traveled, I want to know and learn because that's just a respect thing also. Of course. Yeah. I know that there's not a lot of things that people can do, but what can people do right now to help to you know, what, it, what is it, or is there anything that anybody can do yeah. if they're listening to this or what, or they watch your TikToks or your Instagram or anything? You know, it's really hard to answer that question. That's the million dollar question, right? Yeah. We had a panel of Cubans and Cuban Americans talk about this last night and there's not that many options. There really isn't because if you do phone recharges, because the internet and phone are so expensive in Cuba, if you do phone recharges, half some of that money goes to the government because there's only one communication and it's owned by the government. You know, it's a socialist country. Everything's owned by the government. And so you don't want to do re- with recargas because recargas goes to the government. And you don't want to do, you know, there's the humanitarian corridor, but it's very limited, right? There's He was only accepting so many flights. So there's not that many people that can go and get supplies, medicine, uh, food in Cuba. And so there's just not that many options that we have to help people in Cuba. 
But I think the best thing that we can do, at least us on the outside, is raise awareness. And the more people that understand that Cuba is a dictatorship and that they do, you know, human rights abuses, the better. Because for so long, the Cuban government has had a monopoly on the propaganda outside, you know. Mm -hmm. For many countries around the world, Cuba is known for like salsa, mojitos, classic cars, you know, everything think you know, it's dancing frozen on the in street. Time, but there's a reason. Yeah, right? like the frozen in time thing, which is not true. You know, it's very much in 2021 and people deserve the same things that all of us enjoy, you know. And the more people that understand that, I think the better because that comes with like international pressure. So I just say to everyone that we do have initiatives, at least with the Biden administration, to put internet in Cuba, to be a little bit more harder on the government, to have international bodies pressure the government to maybe release political prisoners. That's what we're most concerned about is the political prisoners right now. The more people that know, the better. So just share and listen to the podcast. <laughs> Wani Chisme. <laughs> so, so there's yeah. something, that, the two things that you said that I want to touch on. Uh -huh. First, you said Cuban is dictatorship, but you said it's also a socialist country mm -hmm. because of all the stuff that's happened in the United States. Like, what is the true definition? Because, oh, my like, gosh, I think like I think that people in, you know, here in the United States hear socialist and like they hear Bernie saying he's a democratic socialist. But I feel like people conflate what it really is versus what we think it is, uh -huh. because. Here, it's not where the government is going. You know what I mean? Like we would, I don't, I'm never going to say never because Lord knows what in the world. Yeah. But yeah. I don't believe our country will get to a place where the government runs everything and controls and owns everything. No. Right. So can you please kind of explain what like Cuba is and what people are actually like, they think what that they're Joe afraid Biden of and socialist. what it not is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's many things that people can criticize Joe Biden on. And and trust me, I have a list of things that I can criticize Joe Biden on. And, but being socialist is not one of them. Joe Biden is definitely not a socialist. <laughs> and the Democratic Party today, today, 2021, August 12th, is definitely not socialist. I was lucky enough to study here in the United States. My, my degree is in political philosophy, so I know a lot about this. Socialism really is, when we use it in modern day terms, we talk about the economic mode of production, which is when the government controls large swaths of the economy, which, was, which is what happens in Cuba, right? The government owns telecommunication, it owns distribution, it owns supplies, it owns everything, the right? lobster. Lobster, cows, you name it, it owns it, right? And so when you have large majority of the economy held by, in Cuba's case, the government, but also the military, right? The military owns uh, a lot of things that happen in Cuba. That is a socialist country, right? They are communist because they're striving for the communist ideal and they have a communist party, but they're not communist yet. And because communist is no government at all, but that's a whole other topic. But the Democratic Party is definitely, nobody in, nobody in the Democratic Party is advocating for taking away people's businesses and their homes and any other sort of private property. And so 
when Bernie Sanders says he's a democratic socialist, I feel like that's bad PR. It's bad marketing. Mm -hmm. He's more a demo. He's a more like a social democracy. That's what he likes mm -hmm. where like the government goes in and takes large percentage of, you know, your income and then uses it for social programs and which it has its own consequences and its own criticism as well. And people like it or don't like it, but to say that the United States is going to become socialist. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? It has, yeah. it has not like, no, we are not on the road to Cuba. That's, that's not happening. Yeah. I, and I think that's so such a, an important distinction to make because let's just be real. Like our society is just very lazy to look up information. They just want to be spoon fed information and they're just going to regurgitate everything they said instead of researching and looking yeah. and yeah they do <laughs> oh yeah yeah that is like, like listen to fox news or or msnbc and that's it Bro, right now i i over the last few months i have stopped watching the news except my local news because i just was like i you know what if i really want to know something first of all things will go to social media but it, i don't just believe social media i will go look it up i will research it i will try and find legitimate sources of information. Uh -huh. You know, I think we need to take some of these things away and make force kids to go back to like encyclopedias. Maybe and, and girl, I'm telling you, like I'm telling because you know, all the mainstream media here in the United States, I look at them because I'm very nuanced. Right. And I, I am political in nature just because that's what I love. And I look at it and I'm like, this is not facts. It's opinions. Like people mm -hmm. just arguing their opinions back and forth. It's not facts. It right? used to be. It's not anymore. Yeah. No, but like CNN is just like a huge show of like, you know, let me tell you my opinion on this. And it's, that's not news. Yeah. I want to respect your time and everything. So no, I want to make it. sure, um, is there anything else that you want to add that I haven't asked? I know we've touched on like a plethora of things, Yeah. but I just want to make sure I give you that no, opportunity. I'm, I'm just so grateful that you have me on the show, that you're interested in this topic. I know a lot of Cubans have felt, I don't mean this personally for you, but many Cubans have felt that the Latino community is not behind them in this effort because maybe because Cubans tend to vote Republican or whatever it is. But I just want to re reiterate that if you're interested in Latin America at all, in politics at all, Cuba is such an essential part of Latin American history for being such a small country the influence is, is enormous, even in modern-day Mexico with the new president in Mexico. I know that many people have felt alienated in the Latino community from the Cuban perspective, but this is not about, you know, being Republican or Democrat or anything. It's about a dictatorship. And no matter what, what the dictatorship, if it's a right dictatorship or it's a leftist dictatorship, uh, it's wrong. And mm -hmm. so... Um, that's what I would like to tell maybe some of the listeners that are, are non-Cuban and um, that don't have a personal connection to Cuba as much as the Cuban listeners. But um, yeah, it, it's just that this is a, this is beyond politics. It's, it's more of a humanitarian issue at this point. There, I do have one more question because I forgot to ask this. Yeah, of course. There was a lot of people that said that the U.S. needs to intervene. What is your opinion? Because obviously this is your opinion on that. Like, of course, yeah. Do you think that the U.S. needs to intervene or no? And why or why not? My personal opinion is that I am very anti-intervention. I do understand the line of thought of intervention. I have many friends who think that the United States should intervene. 
and many Cubans on the island who also think that as well. You know, Cubans are not a monolith. We have different opinions. I personally am against intervention because I just think any sort of permanent change in any society has to come organically, not through another outside influence. And then if you know anything about Cuban history, it's just going to repeat itself all over again. Well, there were multiple attempts on Fidel Castro's life that were failures and failures. So I do that. And there's an argument to be said that Fidel the way that he, you know, sees power was because of American intervention, right? And he used the whole anti-Americanism to gain power. And I feel like if we do that all over again, it's just a cycle of repeating itself, right? Mm-hmm. We um, there's we don't have a good track record all over the world when America intervenes. I mean, look at what's mm-hmm. happening in Afghanistan right now. Girl, so, I mean, well, people don't even realize that's what happened with like a lot of Central and South American countries. Like, look course, at Venezuela. Yeah. Like, they're they have so much oil, but they're being choked to death because of all of the the restrictions and everything of not getting certain things from the U.S. And I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not a pro. So I don't even want to get into it because I, there's so much <laughs> that I would. Need to I think learn. Venezuelans would would argue that point with you. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I, let me just stop myself right there because <laughs> I really don't know. Like, I've just heard a little bit, so I'm not even going to go there because no sé nada. <laughs> But I know that. So, you know, yeah, no, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's a perspective. That's a perspective. Yeah. There's been a lot of we call that in political terms blowback where you have unintended consequences like maybe years or decades later of the United States intervening. And you don't understand how that creates like social and political problems after the U.S. In- intervenes. So right. for me, I, I always say, OK, so the inter- Americans intervene. And then what's next? Because right now in Cuba, there's no leader. There's no organization. There's nobody, you know, filling a political vacuum that can occur. So inter- American intervention can be, yeah, you want it to be one month just to get those assholes out of there. But then what's next? They're going to be there yeah. for years. And you don't want that either. Right. Yeah. How can people find you on social media if they want to because let me just say, anybody who's listening, if you want to know more information, like Mari is, she is constantly, you know, she posts things on her TikTok and on her Instagram and everything. And <laughs> you can hear the the arguments that read the comments that some people put and she responds. She has no problem responding, especially no, if they're very... anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're like being complete dickheads, then yeah. I will like <laughs> delete their things. But yeah. Please share your social media handles. Uh, my Instagram and TikTok are Mima in Cuba and uh, our YouTube, which is a little bit different content uh, we touched about earlier, which is more the immigrant experience in the United States. Our YouTube is Yoel with a Y and Mari. Okay, Mari, final question, because we begin with the wine and we end with the wine. Yes, girl, I love it. I love it. What is your favorite (laughs) type of wine, red, white or rosé? And do you have a particular kind that you like? Okay, don't judge me. I like menage a trois. You know, <laughs> with the wine or the no, act? No, I mean that's a different podcast. But but the wine, the wine, the wine. Nice. nice. I like the red blends. Okay, I like red yeah. blends. But I, I like Chardonnay that. too. So there's a lot of really good red blends. So, Girl, Marty, I, I appreciate. I, I am you. not a wine connoisseur. 
So I drink anything. I'm just a, like, I like to drink. That's it. Look, I just say this is what my, my, I always tell people, it doesn't matter what the wine is. If it makes you happy, if you like it and it makes you happy, that's exactly. all that matters. And I've seen some of these like wine influencers on TikTok and stuff. They're and there's this one in particular, and I actually haven't seen any of her videos in a while. Maybe she blocked me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but she would go to the grocery store. And she's like, oh my gosh, I would never get this. Oh yeah, I would get this. And I was so irritated. I was like, who are you to tell somebody what they should and shouldn't get? It's Everybody like fashion girls. Buds. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. never white girl. I, I know. It's like those fashion girls, like, ew. That was so a week ago. Have you seen those girls on TikTok? Yes. I'm like, well, okay, whatever. You know, who cares? it's always, it's, it, you know, and it always is a particular type of person. Let's, yeah. that it's always a very particular type of person where you're just like, oh my gosh, you just can't help but roll your eyes. But yeah. Mari, thank you so much. No, I appreciate no, no. Gracias, I love this conversation. I've learned so much. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to talk I, to me. No, I, we appreciate you more from everyone that's Cuban or Cuban diaspora. We appreciate you more that you are amplifying this issue. So thank you. Well, thank you. And you guys, please make sure to follow Mari and go check out their YouTube for the immigrant experience, which is like, seriously, you see her, the way her husband reacts to these things. It's so cute. Yeah. It's so sweet and so pure. Don't be afraid, you know, interact with her. Just don't be an asshole and she won't be an asshole back. <laughs> you know how we, we as Latinas are, we're feisty. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm the same. You're nice to me. I'm nice to you. You're an asshole. Well, you, <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I don't want, you're not, I'm not the one you want to be an asshole to. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially after time. wine, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Until next time, mi gente. Gracias. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at the Wine and Chisme on Instagram and Cheesement Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheesement, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more.